0: Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Hard to believe we're already on the last week of February. I'm sure all of you are busy, busy closing out all the pipeline that's happening. Just hung up talking to another one of my clients who's saying they're having record volume in the first quarter, way up from the previous quarter and uh, it's fun to have those reports. Also, so grateful to hear from all of you that let us know that you're listening to the podcast. So many of you reached out to us recently and thank you for encouraging us with the content we provide. We're so thrilled to bring you this podcast each and every week. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals and our commitment is bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Today, we have in the hot topic segment we have Brent Chandler, who's the founder and CEO of FormFree. On the program, he'll be giving us an outlook at how he and his team see and look at a better way to assess the ability to repay. So ATR, very interesting. Anytime we have Brent on, he's one of the most downloaded podcasts we have. He's just that kind of interesting kind of guy. More importantly, it's all the stuff that he's done. He's such a humble guy. You hear him talk about what he does and what he's done, like being involved in the creation of Day One Certainty, a lot of really cool stuff that he's done, and then his team. You're going to hear about that in the interview. You're not going to want to miss out listening to the Hot Topic this week. I want to say a special thank you to Industry Syndicate. Proud to be a part of that group. And I encourage you to check out all the podcasts on the Industry Syndicate group. Also thrilled to have the Mortgage Bankers Association. As a sponsor, as well as Mike Frantoni's uh, interview on January 4th, was really insightful. The Fusion Bot Mortgage Solution does a great job of maximizing the convenience of pre closing functions, including funding, collateral tracking, shipping, insuring, and guaranteeing. Lots involved with the software. I love the information they provide. We had Dan Putney on the January 11th of this year, a little over a month ago. Also, Lenders One, Justin DeMolia, have him coming up hopefully fairly soon. Also, more. Mortgage collaborative. We had Tom Gallucci on December 7th. Tom's doing a great job there and was recently promoted, so c- congratulations to Tom Gallucci. I love this guy. I love people that have humility and good leadership skills, and that really defines Tom Gallucci. He is a real leader. He is a humble guy. And I love that. He's providing great leadership at the Mortgage Collaborative. Also, Community Mortgage Lenders of America, Michael Jones, current president of that group. Great interview back in September with Michael. Go listen to that one. Also, Indicom offers automation and outsourcing and compliance solutions for every stage of the mortgage cycle. Go check out the interview we did with Linda Ulmar in August. Check that out. Also, Incelerate, Josh, friend, and the team do a great job. Of helping people close more loans. They do this with their CRM and engagement platform built by mortgage professionals. So it's a real solid product that is again not taking an outside CRM trying to make it work. But the engagement platform, but here's the thing I value most about Josh his insights and how to connect with Consumers, Outstanding. Also, KnowledgeCoup does a great job of training. Mobility RE and Modex, both of these firms, help you on the recruiting side. I was using both of these softwares last week, working with a client, looking at some different aspects, markets they need to go in. Folks, you need to have intelligence. What are the tools that you're using? Check out... Mobility. I think it's MMI now. And they have Mortgage Market Intelligence, I think what they're going by now. Also Modex. They both do kind of the same thing, but they do a slightly different approach to it. So check out both of them. We're thrilled to be here with you listeners. We're talking to one of our new clients. He called us. He says, I can't believe we're listening to you live. We've been listening to your podcast for years. And we are at a point now where we need some help in consulting. And So we're thrilled to to have them here listening each and every week so a shout out to them and all of our friends who listen and share this podcast. Welcome to the Hot Topic of the Lickit on Lindy podcast. It is February, hard to believe the 22nd, but we're here live with you today. We're blessed and honored to share with you a very exciting podcast. Folks, I am so thrilled to have back by Popular Demand. And I say Popular Demand because every time we have this guest on, it's one of the most downloaded podcasts we have. And he is a critical thinker, a key in our industry, and doing some really exciting things. So we have joining us live today again, Brent Chandler, founder and CEO of FormFree. Brent, good to have you with us. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having us back. Well, there's so much we could talk about, but it's hard to believe that anyone who's a regular listener on our podcast doesn't know who you are, doesn't know who FormFree is, but we are growing, our podcast is growing by thousands of new subscribers and listeners. So would you just give a brief introduction about yourself and FormFree, if you could, real quickly. Absolutely,
1: David, thank you so much for asking. FormFree is a tech company that's creating better solutions for consumers to interact with lenders who ultimately interact with investors. And what we're doing is really building Transparency into credit decisioning and opening up markets that never existed. For example, we build technology that captures consumers' information digitally in a transparent method that enables them competently to share that with lenders and other constituents in the process of getting a loan. So I started this process about 12 and a half years ago, and I'm proud to say that we have never been more busy than we are right now. The markets are really appreciating some of the
0: work we're doing and we're just getting started. And that's what we're going to get into today because there's some things you and I talked about the other day and I go, we have got to get this on a podcast and share it with our people. And I want to start off with something that Sarah has done for you and it's the rebranding on your website and the rebranding of your whole company. Kudos to Sarah Crosley for doing that and also just the whole design. And for those that Have that already done so, go out to formfree.com, check out the website. But talk about the rebranding and your mission. Yeah, let me just say this about Sarah. She's a rock star. Watching her grow and
1: directing the marketing initiatives at FormFree and the branding and so many other things, she's truly a star and responsible for what you're seeing, which is, in effect, we're capturing the essence of what we do with technology. The branding is a version of a live interactive website where you'll actually see moving blobs of colors, and these blobs represent life changing dynamically. And it's also consumer-centric. So as you go through the website, you'll see different people introducing themselves and who they are and who they represent, much more than just a three-number credit score. It's really about understanding consumers' financial DNA. And DNA is something we're going to get into. But the financial DNA is very similar to the human DNA, with the same kind kind of correlation I, to building blocks. And the website yeah. takes you on this journey of what these elements of a financial DNA are, how we gain access to it, and then really make it actionable. But it's done in a design what? that's simple, easy to understand, and you can go through it and really get an essence of who we are as a company, what our products represent and how to use them.
0: Well, I love when you go to the website. It looks like an amoeba behind the picture of whoever's there. I encourage people to go check out the website. It's brilliantly done, elegantly done, and it just does talk about DNA, which is the borrower's DNA and how it is so unique and how it changes. And it's just so brilliantly portrayed on your website. I love it. And what is a financial DNA and how is it different from a traditional credit score brand? Clarify that. Yeah, it really is an important
1: and essential component of who forms is. And you talk about this amoeba, and it's a kind of a nebulous form and shape that each person carries their unique identity. And their unique financial identity is represented in not only our chromosomes and DNA, but also our financial DNA. And the building blocks right. of a financial DNA represent identity, assets, income, employment, credit, public records. So credit's one component to my financial DNA. So I think what we're looking at is DNA is a concept that brings actionable intelligence to supercharge customers. Customer inclusion, engagement, acquisition, decisioning, and retention. And so each of those, we could have another podcast on talking about how my consumer financial DNA enables inclusion. And that's really an important part of today's conversation in the world. In the United States today, a lot of people have been left behind or left out of the lending picture. And it's by virtue of just a three number score. And so what we're suggesting. And what we're discussing with all the constituents at the highest levels of government into the largest lenders is how do we include these people? How do we look beyond just the three-number score and truly understand their ability to pay? And that's when you start to assemble these data points and create intelligence around my assets, my cash flow. We're able to calculate residual income and discretionary income and tie that into a really deep understanding of your facets of not only just my credit history, but also how am I living today? and it's all real time. So it's dynamic and it lives with you. So your financial DNA, much like your own DNA, represents what you can truly afford.
0: I love that. And I love your vision for this, but we got to kind of give a shout out to Brian Francis, who works with your CTO, because you have the vision, but he's got the brilliance to actually create this. So I just got to give him a shout out. It's a wonderful team that you guys have there. How would lenders and consumers benefit from an expanding credit box? It seems just by the questions, almost seems rhetorical. You can just get more buyers into the market, which is something we need, or at least we think we need.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, let me just say a brief word about Brian. Brian's put up with me for the last 10 or so (laughs) years, and we've cultivated a a true relationship. And it's like family, but we have a saying at Form Free where I come up with the stuff and he makes it happen. So we're a real team when it comes to that. And as it relates to expanding the credit box, I mean, once again, we touch a real set of circumstances and timing. It's culmination of a perfect storm. So if you think about how over the last 10 years, we've been talking about modernization and automation with respect to how we do lending. And I think there's been a huge plethora of tech companies running into the space, and it's really exciting. It's one of the most exciting times in our industry. And it's really a time when technology meets opportunity, and then there's a need. And so we really sparked it In 2008 when we introduced the first automated asset verification. We patented it, we were out in front of it, and we were probably arguably a little bit early. I'd say maybe five or six years early for what the market was ready for. But over the last five years, what we've seen is this embrace of new technology, and it's really almost a mandate. Data intelligence is really telling a different story. Well, look back in 2019 and early 2020, and we had a whole new set of circumstances, circumstances no one could have predicted, nor was anybody necessarily prepared for, nor should we. But at the same time, we have to deal with it. And so COVID and the pandemic just disrupted so many facets of people's lives and their livelihoods. So income streams were eliminated. Various types of situations were just removed and just disappeared overnight. And so it would stand to reason that the markets would have a difficult time reacting to that. And certainly forbearance and extending rental applications and so forth was necessary. But it also showed some gaping holes in how the underwriting and the lending industry works. And that is to say that FICO no longer worked. In other words, the GSEs were saying, hey, we'll buy more at these lower levels of FICO, but the banks were actually raising and lenders were raising their FICO scores. And a lot of Americans and a lot of consumers were being left out of the conversation. So what we needed to do and what COVID really exacerbated is looking deeper for inclusion. So what we have to do is look beyond just the three-number score. We've got to understand a person's attributes beyond just their credit history. We've got to understand, do they actually have cash flow? Do they have an ability to pay? Do they have a willingness to pay? And data intelligence enables us to expand that credit box so that banks can take what appears to be a lower credit score, higher risk, but actually understand that the subprime borrower is actually behaving like a super prime and it actually mm-hmm. has the wherewithal and the means and the income streams or the investments to actually facilitate and hold on to this loan and quite frankly, qualify for a lower interest loan. I mean, one of the great fallacies and one of the most disturbing things that I've seen is that the Fed went to zero. Interest rates came down precipitously, and yet a lot of borrowers who are sitting in 4 or 5% loans couldn't refi. So imagine having yep. another 100 basis points per month. $200 per month for a borrower could mean saving their house. It could mean keeping yep. their child in school or buying the necessary goods and services that they need to continue to live. And there's a lot of opportunity that we can do better. And I think that's what we're really pounding the table, David, on looking deeper into the consumer data and using it with a great understanding that it's directly from the source, meaning there's no funny business with the data, and then assessing verification and certification against that, analyzing it, and then reporting it so it can be consumed downstream so that banks can expand their credit box, reach down into their consumer pools, and do more with these borrowers who have been left behind.
0: That is such a good point. And I'm a DE underwriter. My favorite approach to underwriting is more of the VA approach, which is on a residual income approach. I think they do a better job of looking at the whole picture. So I'm so excited about what you're doing. And I just interject right here that it has captured the attention of some really top leaders. One of the individuals on your board is happens to be one of my favorite people out there in the mortgage industry, Faith Schwartz. And you caught her attention, I guess, when you guys were speaking somewhere and you invite her to join the board. And then she is also then being instrumental in bringing you into key places. But I'm just so encouraged. So when you're looking at this, how can lenders expand the credit box without increasing defaults and losses? We're seeing a lot of defaults, a lot of losses as a result of COVID. How does this Expanding the credit box. Address this and would it even address this in a COVID world?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, this just builds off of what we deem as what is real risk. And if we don't have transparency into the risk, then it stands to reason that we really can't dip into that pool to go downstream and take on additional risk. I think it's a kind of a catch 22, right? With big banks. I mean, big banks have a charter and a fiduciary responsibility to their consumers to protect them. And so banks are conflicted to some degree as to not take on too much risk. But if they can't see it, then they certainly can't address it. So what we talk about Uh is transparency. I just read recently the Biden administration kind of discussing doing away with the three bureaus and running it in a consortium kind of approach with the CFPB. And while I think the idea is well-intentioned, the bureaus are doing the best that they can with what they have, okay? And what they don't have, is the rest of the story. So you got to have the rest of the story. So what we're saying is let's dig deeper into FICO and the attributes of FICO and understand a willingness to pay. And maybe we can see a 680 performing like a 720, just based on some analysis that we're doing with intelligence. But let's add to that, that cash flow stream. And let's add to that a true ability to pay with residual and discretionary income, because we're seeing cash flows in and out over two years of time. So we're harvesting data directly from the source, from the financial institutions themselves analyzing it we're corroborating it with over 40 billion records from other partners. And I'll give you an example. We can actually see in the data from the bank statement itself or from the bank institution, an ACH direct deposit from an employer, which captures their net income. We can then take that, actually decipher that. So we have artificial intelligence and one of the greatest minds in natural language processing, Dr. Michael Covington, he ran the artificial intelligence school at the University of Georgia. And he's now a Mm full-time partner with FormFree And he really drives our ability to understand natural language processing and machine learning. And what we've done is create an efficacy of an employment ratio match where we see that ACH direct deposit. We corroborate it with another known employer database. And then we use our natural language processing to make that match. And we're 86 percent effective. So these are the types of things that when you start to add that information to a traditional credit score, peel apart that credit score. If the GSEs are buying 650s, but bankers and lenders won't take anything under a 700, then we're leaving a lot of people behind. We're leaving that 680 out who's actually performing like a 720. So now we're giving you the perspective and the ability for that consumer in a very easy way to provide and authorize their information that we can go to work, create that analysis, and then deliver that to the lenders where they have sanctity, where they feel confident that this is a justifiable risk to take, and so otherwise they're not seeing it. So we think it's a great salvo for the bureaus and for the Biden administration, and not only for mortgage lending and home loans, but I'm talking about SBAs. I'm talking about eligibility for small business oh, yeah, owners way who have been left yep. behind. Also, right? We did a yep. huge stimulus plan earlier in 2020 that went to some of the wrong people. A lot of money didn't get to the people who really need. So this time we need to get down to the right people. And the way to do that is to touch 30, 40 million consumers with a passport-like application, capture their DNA, and we can assess eligibility on the spot
0: in real time. That's so good, which really gets into the financial DNA. I love what you're talking about. And what's so good about this interview is you're actually getting more into how. The fact is you could go in with artificial intelligence, look at a bank statement, see and recognize things that should be obvious or we're getting so automated and create that financial DNA and you're doing it. But I'm really interested is how is Form free poised to help lenders create a more equitable lending experience and answer to financial inclusivity and initiatives such as what the OCC Project REACH is doing, which is a great initiative.
1: Yeah. July 2020, Comptroller of the Currency OCC announced Project REACH, and we were really delighted by that. To be able to participate in the mandate to the banks is to reach out for inclusion. I mean, we've got to stop Mm. the demographic, the Mm. racial, the inequity that's going on with respect to lending, whether it's an intentional effort or not, it's happening. And there's no questioning that. And so the fact that it is happening and the fact that there's an opportunity to participate Participate in these huge initiatives, which are really meant to help people. I mean, one of the great mantras that FormFree has is giving is the highest form of living. Yes, we work with thousands of lenders and we're in business to make money. But I liken it to this that we get to do this, we get to build amazing technology. And in doing so, we get to provide our employees and my colleagues an opportunity to not only enjoy what they do, but also to enjoy their lives. And so by also doing what we do, we could potentially help 50 to 60 million Americans receive help and assistance when otherwise they weren't able to. And so it's really a changing of the guard. I really see us at a culmination, at a paradigm shift in time where all of these things are coming together, where like you mentioned, just looking at a bank statement, we can do these things. Well, actually, a human can't do some of these things. And that's the beauty of artificial intelligence is it goes Mm. beyond human. And what it takes is a self-learning so that the computers actually learn off of themselves. So they'll grab information and then continually teach itself. And that's where we really see the evolution. Moore's law states every 18 months, we're going to see a microprocessor double in speed. Well, we actually see the more data that we receive in, the smarter our systems get. And the idea is that there's no discrimination. It's just raw data. And the data tells a story that nothing else is telling right now. And that's a culmination of where we are in time, where technology is, and actually where consumers are with embracing technology.
0: So the OCC is saying,
1: banks, open it up, open up the credit box.
0: I think banks by nature have been steering away from the mortgage industry, or if they are involved in the mortgage industry, at least the community banks, they're afraid to do so because of being sued. I think that's why I'm so excited about OCC's Project REACH. It's such a good (laughs) program. And with the tools that you're bringing, with the whole passport concept, it really creates opportunities for more participants in the lending process. Independent mortgage bankers have been doing the best out there. Community bankers have been shy of getting into this.
1: Yeah, I mean, 50 million Americans do not have a credit score. And so they're eliminated. They're immediately left out of the picture. I didn't Um, realize that. You know, there's a great quote that we saw recently on LinkedIn, which said, the bank says I can't afford a $950 mortgage, so I pay a $1,400 a month rent payment. Rent, yeah. Ben Carson said that the average net worth of a homeowner is about $200,000. The average net worth of a renter is about
0: $5,000. is an inequity because the single biggest item that can help a consumer's wealth creation is ownership exactly. of a home. So I'm so passionate about this topic and I'm so excited. But I want to get a little insights in what Free's product roadmap is for 2021. What's beyond Passport or where's Passport going in? What's beyond?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I would phrase it a little bit different because I think
0: Passport is the
1: future. And and Passport really embodies the essence of who FormFree is. When I started the company, I started with this very simple concept. I said, everybody borrows money and everybody has an ability to pay some amount. And it was our charter at FormFree to calculate that, verify that, certify that, analyze that, and then report on that. And that truly is your ability to pay. And your financial DNA is what we use to calculate your ability to pay. But here's the thing. We currently are the largest network in the country as it relates to automated asset verification. We pioneered it, as you know, with Day One Certainty and the GSEs. And that's been a tremendous boon, not only for us, but the industry at large. To have rep and warrant relief is really nirvana. And so I think the goal is to get 100% of a loan in a day one certainty or AIM-like environment. So Freddie and Fannie are doing great things with their innovation and their technology. And we're a part of that. It really truly does take a village and there are different components to the entire loan cycle. It's a huge complex process, as we all know. But right. what we started with was automated asset verification. And what I'm really delighted to be talking about today is how we're expanding immediately. So you're going to see press releases very soon. You're going to see a new product innovation mm-hmm. that's never been done before. And this is our income and employment addition to our assets. So the trifecta, if you will, the three in one is how we're naming it. And the three in one is simply this. In a single experience, a borrower can go through and authorize, where do I work and where do I bank? By doing those two things, we're going to collect from over a 100 million working Americans, over 85% of payroll providers wow. are covered. In our solution and also we're going to collect it both in pay stub form as well as the raw data form we're also going to collect w-2s so what we're doing is encircling the true cornerstone of what loans are about assets, mm. income and employment because if we know that and we understand your credit score then we as a lender can make an immediate assessment of how we're gonna proceed with this particular loan. So that's coming out literally, you're hearing it first right here. This is a big release, this is right off the press. So that's in the immediate future for FormFree. So expanding our market exponentially by introducing across the board, everywhere account check exists, you can now get income and employment. So that's really exciting. And that's what we've been focused on the latter part of last year coming into this year. And believe it or not, <laughs> David, these are the building blocks. These are the underbelly of Passport. So we do these things and meet the market where it is. And so automating yeah. these other two components really tackles a huge pain point in the industry. So what we like to say is we listen we're listening to our partners. We're listening to our customers. We're listening to the lending community at large and saying, we hear you and we're delivering for you. So asset income and employment, three in one, hot off the press, it's coming out and that's immediate. So you'll have that out there immediately. That builds into the future of form-free and the future of form-free is truly passport. And can you imagine walking around with your financial passport, fully encrypted, fully safe, with your ability to pay, which effectively correlates to a virtual credit. And you can imagine, let's just say, for argument's sake, it's reporting that your ability to pay is $100,000. Let's just say that. And you can afford Mm -hmm. a loan upwards of $100,000, right this second, based on the input data that's coming into the financial passport. That $100,000 is gold. In other words, because yeah, of who Form3 is, because of the attestations and the work we've done with FHFA, with Fannie, with Freddie, with VA, with FHA, with the CFPB, with all the parties out there that we have to report to and that we work with, that this data is gold, that you could afford that. Then you could literally transfer that information in what we call a token. And that token carries what's called a smart contract in it. And you could share that with any lender instantaneously. And that lender could effectively lend to you. In other words, my financial DNA, my passport profile is the commodity that lenders are bidding on. So if you think about a traditional stock exchange, we buy Microsoft. What do we look at? We look at the fundamentals. We want to understand the fundamentals right, before we right, right. make that investment. Well, same type of strategy. Can you imagine an exchange where Brent Chandler is the Microsoft? And you can look at my profile simply by looking at that smart contract and make a decision, a buy or sell decision right there. So consumers using Password, tip of spear of the blockchain. Everything we're doing is on immutable data. Everything we're doing right. is done with a, a token today. It's already done. And so it's encrypted. So it's a crypto token that's being transferred yeah. with your financial DNA and that smart contract.
0: And one of your previous guest appearances recently, you talked about how the consumer is in control of that data. They can turn on who sees it. Explain the token a little bit and the control yeah, yeah. that the consumer has. I'm for the consumer. I want the consumer to be able to buy more house. I want the consumer to be in more control of the data. We looked at all the breaches that have been going on when we've trusted others with our data. I love this concept. Expand on the token part of this if you could again, Brett.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you look at what's going on in the world, the OCC approved the stablecoin for banks to begin looking at. Blockchain excuse me, you know, the the Bitcoin is approaching 50,000, insane. And I can't explain that. I can't discuss the value in Bitcoin. What I can talk about, however, is how encrypted data in immutable form is really critical. So the encryption component of what we're talking about around the deep identity and the passport is essentially that everything that you're going to share is going to be authorized only by you, the consumer. So consumer advocacy, consumer empowerment, extremely important to this messaging. And I will tell you that that, Uh, just a sidebar here, we had our first advisory meeting that Faith hosted on our behalf, Form3. And so we have some of the stalwarts of the industry, some really big names, and I'm not going to throw them out there without their permission. So we will announce some of these advisors that are on this board that are assisting us and driving big topic conversations. But we talked a lot about big data and consumer advocacy and what that means. And so the idea is that the token itself is encrypted and it rides on encrypted rails. And not only can the passport share your financial DNA in an encrypted form and only release it to those lenders that you approve. It can also extend into the way we surf the internet, the way we Hmm. go into different (laughs) downstream applications. We can go and encrypt it. And so one of the big things that's happening in the world is identity theft. So protecting one's identity is extremely important to the work that we do with Passport. So everything, including your deep identity, is encrypted. Only until you authorize it will that information be shared. So you can imagine you're working with three lenders and you choose these three lenders and then 15 other lenders are banging on the door trying to get access to your information. And you can simply say, no, thank you. That's the concept, and that's literally the technology that we have. and We're working with some of the largest companies in the world who are very interested. I'm thinking about Brian building this all
0: out because this is cutting-edge stuff. And listeners, if you wanting to see what the future looks like, share this. This is what it's going to look like, this concept of a consumer really in the form of a token, being able to control the data. But not only just the data, but the fact that it's an expanded box that's done with intelligence and with so many partners around the world. that could go on and on. It seems like this solves a number of friction points for lenders and consumers. But can you share some of the issues that Passport solves for both? Yeah, the way I think about Passport is if we go into somebody's country, you know, say we go
1: to Italy, it stands to reason they're going to want to know who you are before you come in and they ask you to present your passport. And what's in that passport is really the information that tells the story for them to know who you are. Are you on any watch lists? Are you a terrorist? Are you on the OFAC, Patriot Act? Where do you stand? Where have you been? And those types of things. And by the way, when they scan that passport, it's delving into a multitude of databases that's hitting and extracting information instantaneously. And it's giving them information to say yes or no. Okay? So what passport does in its pure form is essentially it lives with you. It has a lookback period of up to two to 10 years that we can look at information on how you have performed based on cash flows, inbound and outbound expenses and those types of things, extracting and extrapolating FICO in a way that no one's ever done, all which has been tested by a top five bank or actually in production for several years and mm-hmm. utilized some of these tools that we're talking about here, all very real and all in production. But Passport opens the door for people of all walks of life, all demographics graphics, all backgrounds to understand what they can afford, what their ability to pay is, and that they qualify for a loan instantaneously. And then what we see with that is Inclusion. What we see with that is expanded credit boxes where banks can actually go downstream and not only just work with customers who they didn't normally look at, but they can get into the microtransactions instead of these payday lenders that are charging exorbitant rates. I mean, I've seen 400 APR. It's criminal. Jamie Dimon has been said to have called them the devil. And quite frankly, it shouldn't be done because even the fees and the APRs keep people locked in this cycle of debt that they can't should, get out yeah, of and so so, so passport Freeze that up down to the smallest minutia of loans, the smallest amount, the micro loans, a hundred dollar loan or what have you. Lou Ranieri once stated that if you have this college kid living in your basement and your son, and he's working two jobs going to college, but he needs dad to co-sign the loan because he doesn't have a FICO score. And Michael Covington, he's the doctor of the artificial intelligence that we work with. And he's a great guy because he says to me, every time I call him Dr. Covington, he says, Brent, my mother did not name me doctor. Please call me Michael, but he's brilliant, he's genius. It. The meeting of the minds that we had was really around kind of the insanity that you have to go into debt to get debt. It's a it little is. bit backwards. So, passport opens up this whole new realm where consumers can interplay with banks and lenders and borrow money that they can afford. This doesn't mean going out and borrowing money they just can't pay back. It's not a free pass to go borrow money. It means we're going to live within our means and we're going to borrow money that we can afford to pay back on a periodic basis. But it also extends into the fabric of where I think the future is going, which is this exchange-like environment. So as you know, ICE is making a huge run at going end-to-end digital for mortgage lending. But ICE is also the largest owner of exchanges in the world. Uh, They own the New York Stock Exchange. And they're doing some fascinating things. But to digitize lending, you're going to have to be able to really get into blockchaining the whole thing. And we see ourselves right. as the tip of the spear with a crypto token that could be placed into any type of exchange downstream, whether it's provenance, yeah. whether it's ICE, whether it's Black Knight, any of those types of applications, risk spans doing some cool work in this space. So we're not trying to tackle the whole mortgage industry or the whole lending industry. We're really trying to understand that consumer at a very granular level And we call that Passport.
0: Well, I'm excited about that. I'll give a shout out to Chris McAfee, who is with ICE and one of the critical thinkers. I enjoy my conversations with him as much as I do with you and just love people that are going in and thinking, how can we do more to bring more consumers into the home market and do so responsibly? And it really goes back to what you're doing with Passport. The whole concept behind form free. And if those that have not gone to your website, as soon as you get there, you're going to get this idea based on how Sarah designed the website, which is just brilliant. I love the simplicity of it. Anyone wants to know what I think of design of a website should be looking at these days? Take a look at form free. It's brilliant because it communicates the message and it communicates so much of what you are about your vision brand. We could go on and on. There's never a time to end it, but you've done a great job of giving us a little more insight into what this whole concept is behind. FormFree. And I just give you a major kudos, not only for your vision, but who you've surrounded yourself with as team members all the way around. And we mentioned a number of them on the podcast today. So Brent, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you sharing more insights into FormFree's Passport. If you want to hear about the future, dive into Passport, folks, and what is doing. It is the future. Thanks, Brent. Appreciate it. David, thank you so much. Appreciate it. We've had as our special guest today, Brent Chandler, founder, CEO of Form Free. Folks, check this out. I keep saying this, and yeah, I know I'm an enthusiastic kind of guy, and I got a high promoter score, but I really am excited because this is what we need to be doing in America, expanding homeownership. It's the most significant thing we could do to help impact families and impact individuals. Think about what home ownership does as far as it relates to maturing the next generation that's coming into home ownership. And I'm so excited about studying demographics, and we're going to be doing more podcasts on demographics of who's coming in. But these are the kind of tools that is going to make a difference. Check out formfree.com. Yeah, I appreciate Brent, being on the podcast. Appreciate you being here listening this week. Next week, we have Jim and Jeannie Blanchard who are a part of strategic positioning. They're experts and use the Berkman personality assessment method. And we're going to be talking about recruiting. In fact, it's kicking off a month-long series of podcasts on recruiting and putting together the right teams. I think this is an opportunity for us to really focus in on who do we want on the bus and who do we want off the bus to use Jim Collins' great analogy. This is a time and we're going to be bringing on guests for the whole month of March. To talk about that, we're kicking it off with Jim and GD Blanchard. We're our Berkman and consultants with strategic positioning. So be sure to check out next week's podcast. Look forward to having you here with us and encourage you to tell others about it. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, the MBA, CMLA, Indicom, accelerate Mobility RE, and Modex. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And have a great week. <laughs>